0: Hello, Maker of Minnesota friends and fans. We have a very special event coming up. I'm hosting a series of Makers of Minnesota dinners at the Lexington in St. Paul, and I'm so excited. Not only will you be front and center with some of the best makers in the Twin Cities, but you'll be treated to a three-course dinner, compliments of Chef Antonio from the Lexington, and he'll be using the featured maker's ingredients in all the courses that he's making for this special event. Our September dinner is Tuesday, September 28th, and tickets are $98. Our featured makers are the talented folks from Alamar Cheese, Red Table Meats, Bakersfield Flour and Bread, and Trace Leches in the food building in Northeast Minneapolis. We will be the exclusive diners in the restaurant for the entire evening, and you will mingle with me and your favorite makers and taste their wonderful products. And a special treat? You can even pre-order the first ever Makers of Minnesota Holiday Box filled with my favorite products from makers all around the Twin Cities. We'll have a limited number of tickets for this special event and when they're gone, they're gone. So go to thelexmn.com and sign up via Eventbrite for the first Makers of Minnesota dinner featuring the talented makers of the food building, including the delicious cheese from Alomar Cheese, breads from Bakersfield Flour and Bread, meats from Red Table Meats and Elixirs, and tinctures from Trace Leches. Get your tickets now at thelexmn.com. and welcome to the Makers of Minnesota podcast where we talk to cool people doing cool things and occasionally we get to catch up with folks. And this is a fun catch up for me because I'm here with Scott Graydon from the New Scenic and New Scenic 61 is a new iteration for him. And Scott and I last talked literally in March of 2019, right as the pandemic was getting started. Actually, 2020, that would have been. Right. Um, you were my last interview before everybody went into lockdown. And I remember we sat in your beautiful restaurant up in Duluth on Highway 61 there. And I bought some art off your wall that I still have a lot of fondness for. And then it was a couple of weeks later that everything shut down and it was just so crazy. How are you doing since the shutdown? And like, you've created a whole new concept, a whole new restaurant. You've had like three new restaurants in the interim.
1: Yeah, yeah it's doing well. Thank you. And thanks for having me back. Um, doing all right. Um, I, we were joking about this just recently that the term pivot comes up a lot for nearly everybody. And I think we've pivoted so much. It's almost like we've created a new dance. So, yeah, we've we pivoted from a restaurant and catering business into a meal kit business, which we talked about. Um, we opened up a food trailer, and now we're on food trailer number two, going on food trailer number three, which will be done at the State Fair. Um, inside the restaurant, for a, a plethora of reasons, we were unable to open, as we once were, as a full-service fine dining approach to food. So we... Um, retrofitted our entryway, um, which once had a small bar and a host space and turned it into a deli entry. So now people are coming in and placing an order in the deli, whether it's grab and go or we're doing some all minute food. And then they can sit outside or inside wherever they'd like. And then we're still servicing the food trailer. We have two food trailers down in Canal Park. And like I mentioned, we've got another big effort for the state fair. So that's kind of what we're doing right now.
0: How does that feel? Um, You've been you've got the Airstreams and I've eaten out of your Airstream in your parking lot twice. It's always really delicious. But you like I think what's funny about it is obviously you were known as like one of the finer dining restaurants in the state and people would come from far around for special occasion dining. And you've now pivoted to being food truck, which I realize the food is still good and it's still high quality and all of that, but it is pretty different from a fine dining experience. So how have your chefs stayed with you and there, is it like allowing them to flex different muscles?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, it's, it's been difficult. Um, there's like a natural gravitational pull to do what we had designed our, our business to do. Um but one of the biggest factors, there's, there's many of them. One is obviously customer confidence. And with all of the mandates and the COVID elements, you know, being outside was about the only thing we could do last year. And then um, when we were given the opportunity to go back inside, one of the factors that entered the equation was um, the sheer um, absence of staff. We went from 45 people, um, not all full time, of course, but 45 people on our roster all the way down to zero. And then built back up to eight, um, so we really just couldn't even exercise that effort as we once had it. As it sits right now, we've we're in the twenties number, you know, twenty to twenty five people. Um, but that that also isn't um, ample or substantial enough to reopen fully. So when we when we closed, uh, a lot of our staff, as you know, we had to let go. Um, um, so they could gain their unemployment benefits and what have you. Some staff have come back and some, many have not. Um, I think some people have moved. I think some people have found other work, other industries. Some people have gone back to school. There's lots of reasons why that's not um, returned. We do have uh, some new interests and in people, or some new people that are interested in working with us, which is great. Um, but it's it's a, it's kind of a new startup, if you will. We don't have a lot of that uh, culture uh, continuity and just that embedded quality of knowledge and understanding. So it really is starting from scratch right now. So my hope is to get past the state fair, which will be great, and make an assessment probably into September, into October about what we're going to do. Uh, if I had a hunch, I would say that the trailer world is going to start to slow down because of weather. And now that we actually can be inside, I think we will, pr- barring no other restrictions, I think we'll probably end up. Um, trying to push back into full service, but that's going to be staff dependent.
0: Will you? Um, you are in an area of town that the northeast and northwest, the mask situation has been um, different. The uh, vaccination situation is ramping up, but it's been slower. Um, I've been I've spent most of the summer in Ely, Minnesota, and people are starting to get more vaccinated up there. They were maybe a little hesitant at first. When sure. you bring people into your restaurant, do you believe in having like a show your vaccine or a negative test or will you just open like a traditional restaurant?
1: Well, that's tough. Um, so playing on the two polarities there on one half, you know we want to create a safe environment for everybody. and on the other half, um, we want to make sure that um, that there's an acceptance of different views um, as well. So that's whether it's political views or religious views. In this case, there's kind of the argument or the the struggle is, do you want to take your risks with the vaccine or you want to take your risks with the virus? And trying to be accepting of, of both is kind of that middle zone. Um, what we've done on the internal side is that the staff piece You know, they have their discretion to be masked or vaccinated. Um, If they're not, we ask that they are sensitive to those that are. Um, And then on the customer front, um, we have we've chosen not to push um, on mandating any of it other than just asking people for sensitivity. I think that that is starting to show through in just the personal effort on an individual basis, you know, you see a full spectrum of people with or without masks. You see people comfortably sitting inside and you see other people sitting outside. Um, so I think we've got a full spectrum and that is a really delicate balance there. Um, so I think, I don't know how to approach that conclusively as a business owner, other than we do want to be accepting of everything and that's proving to be difficult.
0: I totally understand that. And I talked with, um, Another gentleman, Brad, uh, from Liftbridge, who they have tap rooms in both Wisconsin and Minnesota, and we talked about that. And he expressed a really similar feeling to you that, you know, they want everybody to be safe. Certainly their employees and their customers are a priority, but that he also personally believed that choice was important still. And Mm -hmm. he wasn't um, feeling like he could mandate what people would do there other than asking them, like you, to be sensitive and to try to do the right thing for your neighbor and yourself. But mm-hmm. it, is a, it is challenging. And it's so weird to be a business that's having to make these decisions on the fly, right? That, you know, in, in other situations where we've been talking about public health, there's been a little more guidance and a little more surety. When you mentioned you're taking the risk either on the vaccine or taking the risk on the virus, it's still risk either way.
1: Yeah, and I think the vaccine is not the vaccine is an assistant effort, but I don't think it's a foolproof. And I think that's where some of those hesitancies with with that side of the equation come from. You know, I have a couple points on that. Um, when we roll the clock back, there was a lot of pressure, and I'll even say desire to reopen the restaurant as it once was. And I think I probably would have had more former staff come back and join had I done that. But incidentally, we also had quite a few people that said, I'll come back, but I want no customer facing interaction. So if you want me to do dishes or cook, I will, but I'm not going to be a server anymore. So you get that mix as well. So when we made the decision to not open, even though we had like a 50% occupancy issue or whatever in the mass, by being outside, there was a large number or a large percentage of comfort there because you're outside the hyperventilation because the wind is blowing around off of Lake Superior and all that. Um, and we did get some pressure primarily from customers that they wanted us to reopen. And quite frankly, that's still there. There's still the desire of, you know, what's this? We want you to be open. Well, you know, <laughs> it's a hard thing. This is we're doing the best with the resources we've got. The other topic that is coming to mind about the vaccination versus not. My sister works uh, in a medical facility in Vermont and what that what that institution does is it's not mandatory but if you're on if you do not get vaccinated you have to have weekly testing and a lot of people have that belief it's like fine I guess I'll get weekly testing I'd rather be tested than vaccinated and, and I think that's giving some latitude there but um, it's it's just such a sensitive topic for everybody. And I get that there's a life quality to it or a life threatening quality to it. And I think that's where the balance is. And I think everybody is looking for some governance to, to mandate or support whatever their view is, whether it's political or business owners or whatever. So, and I
0: think, you know, we're still, we're not a great society for patients and we no. want everything when we want it. And we want everything to be resolute. The other part of this that Is viruses change? You know, they're evolving. They're a living organism that is constantly evolving based on the host that it's experiencing. And so when we think we have some magic answer, you can equally be as wrong as you are right. And I think we are seeing that with some of the vaccine breakthroughs, not understanding how long these vaccines last understand there might be limitations to them. So it's all pretty interesting. You're coming up on your big event, which is the state fair. And you guys were going to be at the state fair last year and weren't able to because the fair didn't happen. And here we are kind of marching up again to the fair and everybody's trying to figure out, well, what's the fair going to do? And if the fair does this, then maybe we should do that. And I I don't know. I, I just, I'm very curious to see the fair is two weeks out, how it's going to unfold, whether it's going to be like, it's never Corona, what, or whether it will feel, because I went to a a concert, I saw the Jayhawks at Lake Harriet the other day. Awesome. And I really thought when I went, I had my mask in my hand and I am vaccinated. So I thought, well, I'll bring it just to see. And when I got there, there were 5,000 people. I very rarely saw a mask. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is what the fair will be like. Is this is all a lot of noise, and people aren't really that concerned? I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah, I think well, well, for us as a business, you know, in the restaurant, we we feel and believe that we need to follow the the governed mandates by the state and feds. Um, and with the state fair, it's a small body of enforcement in and of itself so we will follow whichever is the stricter of those mandates whether it's the state fair guidelines or the state itself um but you're right i mean there's the, there's the whole mentality around herd immunity on this idea of of the vaccine but then there's also that whole idea of of um almost like groupthink or or the herd itself and i think the state fair might i hate to be predictive because i don't know but I think there's an exceptional amount of COVID fatigue. And I also think there's a large level of belief that uh, the vaccine is giving them enough immunity. And I also think people are um, on the idea of a case by case basis. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. If you don't want to go, if you don't want to be around it, don't come to the state fair because you know it's going to be a crowd. Right. Um, right. So, and it's an eating and drinking ex- experience too. So, it's likely even if you have a mask, most of the time you're going to have it off anyways because you're munching on, you know, sashimi tuna tacos. Hopefully,
0: yeah. <laughs> so, where <you, laughs> where are you guys going to be located?
1: We are um, underneath. Let me just pull up so I have some accurate descriptors. We are underneath on the we're the north end of the fairgrounds, south of the Little farm hands corner of Underwood and Randall. Um, so it's, we will be directly underneath the tram or whatever you call it that's going over there.
0: You're super close to the My Talk 1071 radio booth and we're doing a live broadcast a couple of days. So awesome! that'll be fun. Yeah, you're yeah. close to us.
1: We'll bring you're you some doing, tacos.
0: What's on your menu? I You're going to do the, the sashimi tacos.
1: Yep, that's kind of our flagship item right now is the sashimi tuna tacos. We're going to have, um, and then three basic beverages. We're going to have water and then uh, a green tea and a half lemonade, kind of a lemonade iced tea thing. Um, so when we were originally invited in with the state fair, um, it was because we had submitted those tacos. I've been interested in attempting to be in the state fair for coming up on two decades now. Sure. So this is pleasing. And, you know, we've had a lot of experience, if you will call it that, with those tacos. Um, and, We're kind of geared for it. So that's what we're doing. We don't have a large variety. You know, if you think about the cookies, um, you know, it's chocolate chip cookies or the milk, it's just whole milk or whatever it is. Um, So we're not having a large variety, but it'll be the tacos, which is a wonton shell, tuna, avocado, and it's going to have a Thai peanut slaw on the side with a little wasabi and pickled ginger. So kind of what we've been doing for years.
0: They're delicious. I love them. Um, and I think it's kind of different. It it gives something a little bit different than some of the just sort of greasy, you know, it feels a little fresher. I don't know. Yeah. A wonton is still fried, but it does still feel fresher for whatever reason.
1: Yep. Are I you, agree.
0: Are you a big um, state fair person? You mentioned for 20 years you've been trying to get into the fair. Do you go every year and does it have a heritage for you?
1: I've not gone every year. And obviously, as a restaurant up here in Duluth, uh, the end of August and September. It's always been busy. And then incidentally, it's also a pivot time for college students and all, just teachers and families. So we have always had a kind of a interesting mix of employees. So that, that time of the year is a lot of flux. We're hiring new people. Some people are leaving. Schedules are tightening because the school, whether they're teaching or attending as a student. So I've not been able to go every year, but um, in years past, I was always part of Minnesota cooks and I'd come down and give a conversation or a cooking demonstration and, and those types of efforts over the years and then uh, wander about and have a beer with a friend and have some fried cheese curds or whatever. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I'm a Minnesota person. So yeah, we go.
0: Yeah, we're hosting, um, or I'm, I'm seeing the Minnesota cooks, a couple of shows, the one o'clock show and the four o'clock show. So if you get a chance, swing by um we'll be it's the first weekend it's that first Sunday of the fair that Minnesota cooks will be out so I'm happy to talk to you I'm happy to come by the trailer and the airstream I know it's beautiful you always have a good job of the restoration
1: yeah there's a second one on this on this size right now so it's it's all shiny and spanking new I bet it's It's 1971
0: well I can't wait to see it and we'll talk when we see you at the fair Scott
1: That sounds great. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye.